everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel. I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel, and every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad that you've joined us. That's right. Happy weekend, Dr. Linda. Those t-shirts are coming, the Happy Weekend (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. I didn't know we had those on order. We we, we need to get those in. (laughs) Okay. Well, it has been an unusual time in the history of our country due to some very difficult circumstances. Uh, We have lots of opportunities to worry these days. But you wrote a book on worry, and we thought it would be a good time to revisit that topic. It is a great time to do that, Chris, and because worry can be such a gripping thing if you don't know how to let go of it. Mm. And so that's the title of the book, Letting Go of Worry. How can we face difficulty? How can we live in the reality and be concerned about what's going on around us and yet not allow worry to take over our lives. So what motivated you to originally write the book? You know, I usually write books about areas of my clinical expertise or topics that interest me personally because maybe I'm struggling with that issue. This was one of those books I wanted to write to actually help myself as well as help other people. Hmm. I come from a very long line of worriers, despite the fact that I grew up in a Christian home. A lot of you listening may be saying, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home too. And for years as a therapist, I helped a lot of people manage worry. And I did the same thing in my own life. But the more I read the scriptures, the more I realized that God doesn't want us to just manage worry. He wants us to be anxious about nothing and live in the peace that he promises he'll give us. You know, the thing about worry is it seems like the natural thing to do. It's like a part of our life. Doesn't everyone worry? I think to some degree we do. There's so much that we can worry about if we look at the circumstances around us, if we look at all the possibilities of things that could go wrong or something bad that could happen. You know, we're flooded daily with worrisome information and life often feels out of our control and very uncertain. So based on that, worry is really a natural response to the uncertainties of life. You know, without God, you really should worry. I mean, life would feel very random, (laughs) and your thoughts would easily take you to the worried places, don't you think? I think so, definitely. If if you don't have God in the picture, it would be so easy to say, yeah, this is all random, bad things are going to happen, and I have no control. And you know, for people without faith, you're saying that worry makes makes sense, basically. Right, right. Talk about a man who experienced worry, let's say, to the extreme during the coronavirus pandemic. Well, I found this very interesting story that was written from somebody who was a gamer in London, and he started experiencing panic attacks after a number of his fellow travelers began feeling ill on the return flight from a skiing trip in Italy. Hmm. And we know Italy was one of the places where they really had a high number of people with the virus. This is a quote from him. He said, I started feeling a bit ill, and then I'd see news articles on reports about the virus spreading and self-isolation, and I'd get this huge wave of fear. It felt like it made me have a cough, and then it sort of settled in my stomach, and it made my heart palpitate, and essentially made me not be able to breathe. So Chris, he started to worry that he had contracted the virus, but the symptoms quickly disappeared. And after talking to a friend who's a doctor, he realized what he was experiencing was actually panic attacks. And this is what he said. They lasted up to 30 minutes, and they were really quite debilitating with real shortness of breath, tingling, and loss of eyesight in some regard. Wow. So he began to behave a little bit like a hypochondriac. I think it's easy to do. You know, you start to think about your own symptoms and then what's happening. And then immediately, you know, he started to think 
maybe I have the virus. Mm. And I think there are a lot of people who are listening who may have those same type of thoughts. So I think people can relate to this man. But here's the thing. When you face trouble and uncertainty, where do you put your faith? Do you put it in the government? Do you put it in other people? Do you put it in information? You know, all of that could be at times inaccurate, could go into the wrong area. You can blame people. You can make things worse by not having good information. And yet we don't want to live on anti-anxiety medication to deal with our worry. You know, uh, someone else said that some of the things that politicians say, and also some of the re- of this reporting, can create that initial anxiety response. When you have no hope, you have no hope. That is absolutely true. But even with God in our lives, you know, Chris, we have to cultivate a worry-free life, and we have to learn to live with peace and contentment. God gives us his peace. He tells us not to worry or to be anxious about anything. And we have to ask, why would God command such a thing if it wasn't possible to do? Is it possible to let go of worry? We need to understand how to do this because, yes, it is possible, which was the focus of my book. Okay, so let's get into this. You say there's a difference between worry and concern. So what is the difference? Worry is future-focused, and that future is negative. Concern is about what is happening now, and it allows for a positive outcome. So that difference, we really need to get into our brain. Worry circles a problem. Concern says we need to solve this. We Mm -hmm. need to do some planning. Worry brings inaction. Concern brings about action. Worry feels out of control, and yet concern prompts you to take control where you can, do what you can in the situation. Worry distracts us from the problem, and concern focuses on the problem. Worry disrupts planning, and concern motivates planning. So concern is fine as long as it doesn't morph into worry. See, I I think we naturally know this because when we we talk to someone who, you know, we want to support, we never walk up to them and say, you know, I'm really worried about you. Typically, we'd say, I'm concerned about you. Right. Why do you think we worry when we know this is not part of God's plan? I thought about that a lot when I was writing the book. What does prompt our worry? And one of the things that really came to mind was the idea that worry somehow serves a purpose. So many of us Mm -hmm. have this false belief that worry is useful, but it's not. There's nothing useful about it. We might believe that worry stops bad things from happening. Mm -hmm. Did you ever hear anybody say that? Well, if I worry about it, then it won't happen. Completely erroneous. It doesn't have anything (laughs) to do with whether something happens or not. Some people believe that it prepares us for the worst outcome. Mm -hmm. I think that was part of my family's thinking. I feel like that, too. It's like you, you... If you worry about it, you'll be ready when it happens. Right. And yet all it's doing is ramping up your anxiety. It's not really helping you. Sometimes we think worry might help us to control external Mm -hmm. events. You know, if we just worry about it, then maybe they won't happen. Or one of the ones that I think is a good intention is that um, when somebody says, well, the only reason I worry about you is because I care about you. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of caring. It's like I said a a minute ago, but it, it has such a negative tone to it. It sounds so much better if you say, you know, I'm really concerned. When you say you worry about someone, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm really worried about you. I think you. grandparents have said that. You know, I think sometimes yeah. we've said that to our own kids. And really, what we need to be saying is, I'm concerned about this issue, mm-hmm. but we're going to work through it. Right. We're going to help. And then I think the last thing that comes to mind is that sometimes it feels like we're doing something. That's me. 
Yeah. I woke up one morning not really thinking or worrying about anything, and, and it concerned me. Oh, it did. <laughs> like, wait, I, I don't have anything to worry about. What's wrong? Well, and you think about it. We're in a time of being very uncertain, and we mm-hmm. feel powerless. Then it feels like the least I can do is worry about right. something. I'm, I'm doing some action. But again, we're going to talk about why that's not a good strategy. So if we think that worry serves a purpose, but if we correct that false idea, does that help us let go of worry? Yes, and that's the first place to begin, is you have to believe it doesn't serve any good purpose. It really is not helping you, and in fact, it's going to make you worse, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And it seems like some people are just more prone to worry than, than others. Let's talk about that after the break. Stay with us. More from the Dr. Linda Mental Show as we discuss how to let go of worry. day I was cut off the road by a driver. Everything in me wanted to yell, hey, watch out. But I restrained myself, knowing that yelling at the driver would not do much good. And really, it wasn't the best way to deal with my anger. We know anger easily rises up in most of us. And while anger is a natural emotion, we need to deal with it the right way. So it's not wrong to be angry, but how you deal with your anger is what counts. The Bible tells us, be angry, but do not sin. So what is the biblical way to handle anger? This is a question I answer in my short and easy book to read, Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness. This small book has sold over 130,000 copies. It's because of how practical and helpful it is to everyday living. So if you want to be angry, but not sin, practice what scripture teaches us. Breaking Free from Anger and Unforgiveness is available on my website, drlindamintel.com. That's drlindamintel.com and also available online where books are sold. The news these days is full of so many sad, depressing, or downright frightening things that cause us to go through our days with frowns on our faces and a cloud over our hearts. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I've got a suggestion for you to help ward off the heaviness that you might be feeling. The Bible is clear. Laughter does good like a medicine. One clear antidote for heaviness is to increase the laughter in your life. While my friend was battling cancer, she made it a regular habit to watch all the wonderful old comedy movies she could find. Laughing with her husband allowed them both to enjoy a rush of endorphins and precious moments together. Now, I'm not telling you that laughter alone will solve everything, but it will clear out the gloom. Reading God's Word and living in His promise is our best armor But having a good laugh every day will help keep your focus off those things you can't control. It'll cut down on your wrinkles and increase your trust in the God who rules your world and the world around you. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And today's topic is Letting Go of Worry, based on a book Dr. Linda wrote titled Letting Go of Worry. You can check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com, and that's where you will find her blogs, books, and you can connect on social media. And remember, you can listen to this show or any of the shows on our iTunes podcast. And if you want to share this show with a friend who struggles with worry, just send them to the link myfaithradio.com or the podcast. And let's help each other walk in peace and contentment through difficult days. And Dr. Linda, before the break, I had asked if some people are more prone to worry than others. Actually, yes. And when I was doing the research for that book, 
I found a, a researcher at Yale who found a worry gene. That's what I am wearing my worry <laughs> you are, worry genes right now. <laughs> a worry gene genetically, ah, DNA, okay, okay, DNA. We're okay. talking here, <laughs> and that gene actually predicts a tendency for some people to what we call ruminate, which means mm -hmm. go over and over something in your mind. This means that some people may be more predisposed to worry now. That doesn't mean they're going to worry, mm -hmm. okay? You still have control over this, but it's like any type of psychiatric illness that there are some things where you're more prone due to your family history and your genetic makeup. But you have to add to this life circumstance, negative experiences, trauma, and you can create opportunities to worry through all of those. It, you know, if you look at the histories of chronic worriers, you often do find, Chris, that they've had to deal with extreme loss, events that feel out of control, conditions that actually would breed worry. So a person could be predisposed and maybe also experience conditions in their life conducive to worry. But even if you have all that, we're here to tell you you can still let go of worry because that biblical prescription mm -hmm. did not say, be anxious about nothing if you have no genetic predisposition <laughs> or if you right. had no life circumstances that would play into right. that. Now, I, I risk sounding a little sexist when I ask this question, but it seems like women worry more than men. Is that true? And if so, why? Yeah, it is true, actually, that women worry more than men. And some of the reasons for this are cultural. Mm -hmm. uh, worry is seen as a feminist trait, so it's more acceptable for women to worry. Women tend to use worry as an internal coping mechanism, so we tend mm -hmm. to go internal with that. Women tend to obsess more about their thoughts, and they think more about their feelings. We actually have more connections in those areas in our brain. And overall, women struggle more with self-confidence than men, which is also a factor in worry. So men have different coping styles then? Men generally, and this is general, this is not all men, but generally speaking, cope by avoiding worried thoughts and using distraction. So distraction is more of a technique, and they focus their thoughts away from worry, which can be a good strategy, actually. I know people who do that, and they use humor. Right. And at some point, you want to say, you know what, knock it off. You actually do have a reason to be concerned here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a sort of defense right. mechanism against having to get worried about something. Well, do men and women worry about different things? Yeah, I want to add, but let me, before I do that, let me add that men, when they believe worry works for them, so we were just talking about that, right? Does it have a purpose? Mm -hmm. If men also believe it has a purpose, it's the equal. Hmm. Men and women worry the same when they believe that. So again, right. that's why it's important to get rid of that belief. But both genders worry about the future. So that's interesting when we look hmm. at what do people worry about the future? Both genders worry about interpersonal relationships and both genders worry about their competency at work. So there's a lot of commonality there. Now our producer just asked in the ear here, but don't women process out loud? Uh, their thoughts. Right. And yeah, maybe that's one of the reasons why we hear women talking about it more because they do tend to process thoughts where men tend to do distractions and not do that as mm -hmm. well. So that could be another reason. Let's talk about some of the uh, physical fallout from worry. It can't be good. Right. And that's one of the reasons why you need to give up that belief that it is useful. When you worry, your body behaves like you're facing a threat, mm -hmm. even though there really isn't a real danger that you know for sure. The stress hormones are released and they can do damage to the body. So what happens is worry can cause what we call cardiac activation, regardless of whether or not the worry pans out. So it gets things moving in the heart system. High levels of worry can increase coronary heart disease. It can lead to unhealthy habits that bring early death. So when people are worried, they might start smoking more, they mm -hmm. might start drinking. 
In fact, researchers found that the strongest effects of worry on the heart were those involving work stress and worry about future issues. Well, you offer a number of practical helps to combat worry in key areas like health and relationships. Let's start with health, since that's been on everyone's mind lately. The key is here to find a balance between being too relaxed about things, tuning Mm -hmm. out, not thinking that anything is a problem, right? And the other extreme of just being crippled by uh, tremendous worry and being obsessed with every possible thing that happens in your body that's an indication of something. Worrying about your health can actually lead to a psychiatric diagnosis called illness anxiety disorder. Have you ever heard of that? No, but I think I know of someone who who suffered from that. Okay, it's the old, what we used to call hypochondria. Mm. I think you alluded to that. Yes. So it is an actual preoccupation with fear of acquiring some kind of serious health problem. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because during this coronavirus outbreak, it's on everybody's mind, right? So my daughter got sick right before this was really big in the news, but she had heard about it and she didn't know anything about it because we didn't have a lot of information when it first came out. And her first question to me was, do I have the virus? (laughs) And of course you think that when there's a pandemic, but when fears and symptoms you know, don't really line up. You've really got to look at that and evaluate that. It may be that you are just a worrier about anything related to your health. And Mm -hmm. if that's the case, you need to get some professional help for that. You know, a big worry for a lot of people in addition to health is is finances. What are some practical helps for that area? In your book, Letting Go of Worry, you say that if you are employed and make more than $60,000 a year, you worry less than people who make less money. Didn't that make sense? Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. you have some you might have some backup money, you might have mm-hmm. enough to cover your expenses and one of the things that is so traumatic during a virus outbreak is all the financial fallouts that we're seeing mm-hmm. with businesses and people who work and maybe getting their paycheck and all of that is very uncertain. You have to be careful and one of the biggest sources of worry for people is that they overspend with money they don't have. And I think it's very healthy, Chris, to have an emergency backup fund Mm -hmm. for when there are times like this when there's going to be difficulty, because this is not going to be the first crisis we've faced. Obviously, we've had crises in our history, so we have to be very careful. So, you know, one of the ways to really tone down the worry about finances is identify your spending triggers, resist impulsive buying. You know, don't feel that you're going to use money or buying something to improve your mood. That's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Don't live on credit. Try to work on getting rid of your debt. Live within your means. And like I said, have an emergency fund. And when we do that, generally, we'll be okay. But if we don't take financial control where we can, then it's going to lead to a lot of worry. And if you do worry, does it work to simply just not think about it, just Don't think about the worried thoughts. No, no, it doesn't work. And especially if you're going, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. In your Mm -hmm. head, when you try really hard to suppress a worried thought, the research shows that it actually leads to thinking more about that thought. (laughs) It's like being in bed at night and saying, I need to get some sleep. sleep. I need to get some sleep. (laughs) Exactly. And, And even if you try not to think about worry and distract your thoughts, whatever thoughts you are using to distract yourself away from what you're really worried about, it's actually going to be paired with that and it still stays in the brain. It becomes a problem. So when it comes to worry, let the worry thought come, identify it, and think about what a more reasonable thought or a true thought would be and replace that thought. This is how you take a thought captive. You identify the worried thought, but you do not allow it to wander wherever it wants to go. You direct that thought to the truth, to God, and to reason, 
And you also address negative thought patterns like all or nothing thinking. So you don't want to say it's all bad, it's all good, it's a disaster, it's something catastrophic is going to happen. And you tend to, when you do that, you tend to disqualify the positives or the balance of that thought. Well, Dr. Linda, when it comes to letting go of worry, these are great prescriptions. Stay with us as we continue to discuss more of Dr. Linda's book, Letting Go of Worry, and how our relationship with God is key to keeping worry away from our door. The other night, I had an interesting conversation with friends at dinner. We were talking about the idea that Bible stories were not just nice stories, but they were there to help us relate to difficulties when they come. Now, I know this wasn't exactly a new thought. I know we know this. But how often do we think about what we are going through and actually place our life stories in the context of those Bible stories? So here's what we did. We took turns and we related a current issue that we were each having to a specific Bible story. Then we used those stories to encourage one another. So for example, one of my friends had a relationship with his boss that felt a lot like David's relationship with Saul. One moment the boss was praising him and giving him assignments. The next moment, the fiery spears would fly. Like David, he trusted God for his tomorrow. He often wondered about the timing of God's intervention, but trusted that God was working on his behalf and the plans God had for him were good. Another friend related to Joseph. She was in a job, unappreciated, and felt thrown to the side while others ascended and were promoted. She could really relate to being in the prison of neglect and rejection, hoping and praying that the king, the boss, would remember her and release her from false charges that caused the rejection. Like Joseph, she believed God would restore what was lost. By the end of the dinner, we were laughing and smiling. Life may have thrown us a few curves, but we were determined to react to those curves like the people of faith who went before us. So the next time you need a little encouragement, hey, grab that Bible storybook and think about the lessons we teach our children. Those stories aren't just for kids. They can really encourage us, too. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. Today we are discussing her book, Letting Go of Worry, God's Plan for Finding Peace and Contentment. Check out her website, drlindamental.com, and you can connect on social media. And don't forget about the podcast on iTunes. You know, I like to say too, Chris, that there are lots of good blogs on my website mm-hmm. that deal with fear, anxiety, worry, the things that are on people's minds today. What if I can't get connected to the Wi-Fi? I don't know about that. Because oh, no. that's how everybody's getting their oh, information no. these but days. If I can't connect, I can't see the I can't listen to the podcast, I can't get on the Wi Fi. Are you worried? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can probably find a hot spot somewhere, I guess. Hopefully, right. Well, today we are on a quest to send worry packing. And uh, we are told over and over in Scripture not to worry. So what is the secret to contentment? Contentment is learned. It's something that you have to do. You have to practice over and over by placing your complete confidence in God's sovereignty and his timing. I mean, can you think of a time when you did this in your oh, own life? Oh, yeah, career changes, that, all that type of thing. Right, mm-hmm. right. So there are many times in our life where we, we need to default to, all right, God, you're in charge, you're in control, you've got this. I know that sounds like a cliche when people say, God's got this. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is God does have it. He is not surprised by anything. And I'm thinking of Paul when you know he was in prison, he was facing possible execution, and he writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, this doesn't mean he didn't feel sad. This doesn't mean he was excited about being tortured and being imprisoned. Mm -hmm. But he certainly was 
concerned about what was going on, but it meant that Paul had complete trust and confidence in God and what God was doing. You know, Paul had learned to be content in every situation, and this included some severe trials Mm -hmm. in some cases where he was facing death. That's impressive. It is, and there's a lot of scriptures in Philippians about that. And his perspective on trials was this, as he writes in 2 Corinthians, in order that we should not trust in ourselves. Ooh, Mm. I think our nation could take a little lesson there from Paul, right? right? In order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And then he adds, he on whom we have set our hope. Mm. Wow, that's that's really yeah. good stuff. And that's coming from a guy, like you said, who was... Facing death. Yeah, in prison. Right. So you're saying that contentment comes from believing God is who he says he is and will follow through on his word. It's all about trusting him. When you believe that God really does supply all your needs, orders your steps, basically has your back, you know, you can be content in the moment. Contentment comes from completely depending and leaning on God for everything and daily renewing your mind in his truth. We know that letting go of worry doesn't come naturally, so we have to practice renewing our mind. Yeah, exactly. And in, in Luke twenty one fourteen, Jesus urges his disciples, he says, make up your mind not to worry. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> right, yeah. I saw that when I was writing the book and I thought, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, make up your minds not to worry. So Jesus says we have this choice not to worry, Mm -hmm. uh, that we have to decide not to allow worry into our lives and to take hold. So as we practice living a a centered life with God in the forefront, what happens, Chris, is it helps us to worry less. So let's look at a few of those strategies. We talked a little bit, we alluded a little bit about this, but the first one is you can still problem solve where and when you can. Mm -hmm. So in the time of the coronavirus, you know, people are washing their hands more. They're being careful with social distancing. They're doing a number of things. So that is a way to have a bit of control and to do the things that you know you can do. So that's a good one. You can trust God in those dark places and times. And again, Paul is a perfect example. Right. And that really is key. And you can stop recycling the past. That's the hard one. (laughs) I know. I know. And I I do have a tendency to do that sometimes. So we want to make sure that we're not doing that. We already talked about believing that worry is useless. Right. And we have to accept the fact that we don't have control and there's going to be uncertainty. So I would say, ask for wisdom every day from God. Partner with him so that you can actually live out this being anxious about nothing. To learn the secret of contentment, we have to get our eyes off of worry and on to God. God sees our need. He knows what you need. He's ready, willing, and able to meet your needs. Since God is in us, He never leaves during difficult times. His spiritual army surrounds us, and his strength is a source of our contentment. Like the Apostle Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, all things, be grateful and give thanks. In prayer, present your needs to God. Thank God for what he will do, and the peace of God will fill your heart. When you're tempted to worry, trust God and think on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. It will keep you from being shaken and bring needed peace for that moment. God is with you. Accept his peace. Rest in him. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we are doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. To 
Thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.